Krista, you're amazing. I have kind of followed her for some time. We met through mutual friends with L in LA God, and she travels the world. She's all over the world. She's amazing. She's anointed. She's filled with the Spirit of God. That's why she's amazing. I mean, in her own right, no doubt, she's an amazing woman. But the anointing of God is on her. And I'll tell you why. It's because she's asked for the anointing. I mean, that anointing is not just set aside for Krista Black. But um, you can read her bio. She's done so much. I don't want to talk about everything she's done. But let me tell you a couple questions. And I just want her, she can preach from her chair because she can do it, Mama. Um, <laughs> she grew up a PK. I'll let her tell that. But why, why do you think, let me put a plug in. She has books. I want every book gone. And if you know 21 young girls, fathers, mothers that struggle with life, and that's really what this... God loves ugly, really? I mean, aren't we all supposed to be beautiful? I mean, in the church, look at, aren't we the pretty people? We're the righteous, sanctified saints, and we're the pretty people, aren't we, Krista? Uh, I mean, I am, clearly. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> I wrote a book about it. <laughs> God loves ugly. What does that mean? I mean, here we are in the church, Well, right? it's a song that I wrote years ago, um, and Jordan Sparks cut it for her first record. Um, and it's a song about being loved into wholeness. So a lot of times we like to come, especially as believers, we come before the Lord, we come before one another with supposedly our ducks in a row. You know, we feel like, okay, we've, we, we were kind of messed up when we came to Jesus and got a Savior, but then all of a sudden we're supposed to be perfect mm -hmm. before him. Mm -hmm. And I had some really ugly parts of our lives, as I'm sure none of you ever have had, but just me. And, um, and I thought I had to fix those places in order to be loved, but it was actually the reverse. It was actually bringing those ugly parts to the, the lover, to the guy who says, I have no condemnation for you ever, so why are you having it for yourself? Mm -hmm. And as I brought these ugly places to my life, uh, of my life to him and then to the body, you know, before people because it breaks shame. He actually loved those places to where they were transformed. And then I had to, I, I didn't have to perform anymore to be loved. It was a genuine heart situation. You know, I've, I've dealt with it all. Addiction, depression, you name it. Sexual abuse, you name it. And I, I tried to always fix myself and it never worked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You want to get off that hamster wheel? Go buy my book. <laughs> you know, um, she talked on some things yesterday, and she talked about, I love this analogy, she talked about this love bucket and how we try to fill that love bucket. I mean, I, I'm going to get married, and that's going to fill the love bucket. I'm going to enjoy the, 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 the things the world has. And, I'm, and we have this huge love bucket. And I, I know I try to fill it through performance, or I try to fill it, I want you to like me. Or I, we all have, I mean, we all have something we're filling that love bucket with. Amen. And remind us how you got your love bucket filled. Well, I had a lot of pain in my love bucket. And I think, uh, if we're honest with ourselves, every person in the world has been through some sort of pain, rejection, neglect, trauma, abuse. It doesn't have to be as severe as mine. You didn't have to be sexually abused. You might have just been picked last for kickball, <laughs> and, which I was as well. And, um, and whatever that is that's in your heart, a lot of times we have this pain and we have no idea what to do with it. Yeah. We have no idea 
how to cope with it. And so we stuff it down because we have to continue functioning. You know, with the pain of my rejection and my abuse, I had to continue being a little girl and going to school. And, you know, of course, it's shameful. You can't let anybody know that you've got any problems because we're in a performance-based culture where we get love because we've got our ducks in a row. And so um, a lot of times we run from our pain. We numb it with substances. We, we try to hide it. And it was in kind of bringing that pain into the light and going, I am jacked up. I mean, I am, yes, I'm a preacher's kid. I'm even in ministry. I was touring the world with Michael W. Smith leading worship, leading thousands of people into worship going, you know, oh God, I got to love you more. Have you ever done that where you're like, oh, I just, I want to love you more and I'm going to discipline myself. I said this yesterday, nobody's standing around the throne room in heaven disciplining themselves to worship. (laughs) You know, it comes from passion, intimacy, intimacy, delight and desire. So as you bring your heart before the lover, Before the healer, Isaiah 61 says what? Jesus' primary mission was not to get you to work. Come on, get to work, Christians. It's not. That was the second. That's the great commission. The first is the great commandment. And it's for you, he says, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release from the captives. So we've got all this stuff in our heart, and I started bringing it before the healer and going, I have no, I hate myself. I have no idea how to love myself. Mm -hmm. And you know what, church? We have got to be a safe place for jacked up people to come in those doors with no judgment. Amen. Amen. I, you know, Hebrews 5 says what? It says, confess your sins to who? One One another. We have to be a safe place to come in and go, hey, I'm dealing with pornography. I'm dealing with sexual addiction. Which, by the way, I've dealt with all of it. Why? Because I was abused as a young kid. You cannot be turned on sexually at a young age and not deal with some sort of sexual dysfunction. And yet the church has been absent from the topic of sex. And yet Jesus created it. God created the thing. We've got to start start talking about it. Can you tell I'm kind of passionate about that? Come on, we live in L.A. We're all hip. We can talk about sex. And so all of these things, we've got to be a place where we can come and go, here is my pain. Here are my wounds. Here is my shame. Because what happens when you confess your sin to one another? It says, then you do what? You pray for one another. Yeah. Great. Let's get the Holy Spirit involved. Let's get the supernatural involved. And then it says what? So that you can be what? Healed and whole. Who in this room wants to be healed and whole? Amen. Sign me up. Yeah. There's a formula for it. It means you can't do it on your own. Mm-hmm. It means you cannot go get my book and read it by yourself, and you'll get some sort of healing. But, man, let me tell you, there's more power when you get stuff out in the open in groups. I've got glue groups all over the world. God loves ugly. Oh. My, my oldest glue group leader is 91, June, from oh. Texas. She's adorable. <laughs> And in fact, email me and I will send you a free group discussion guide. Oh, but, perfect. but get in, it doesn't have to be my book. Get in groups where mm-hmm. you can be honest with what's going on in your heart, the mm-hmm. pain in your heart. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to deal with your junk by yourself. Yeah, and as you get it out, it breaks the shame cycle. Mm-hmm. That's, right. That's the most important thing that I found. You know, I didn't want anybody to know that I was screwed up. I'm in ministry. Nobody can know. I mean, I think Christian leaders, I'll be honest, I've traveled the world. Christian leaders, it's, they're some of the most wounded people on the planet because they have nowhere to go. Yeah. You know, people are always looking to them to be perfect. Yeah. And do not expect them to be perfect. Expect them to be real. Mm. 
And that's different. Jesus is the one that comes in and perfects us and Mm -hmm. sanctifies us and makes us whole. And as we're vulnerable with one another going, hey, here's my junk. I need Jesus. I need a savior in this. We go communally together to lock arms and go, we're not judging here. Why? Because he poured out all wrath and judgment on the cross. So why would we judge one another? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Why would we do that? We're in Christ. We're new creations. Let me call you up into the fullness of what you really are. Yes, I'm preaching. Okay, sorry. No, Go to your no exactly what we want you to do. Sorry, I love there's, to preach. There's, there's two things. Well, you're anointed to. What else can you do, right? Amen. <laughs> there are a couple of things I want her to share from yesterday that just touched me. I'm going to be selfish about these because they were so beautiful. But, you know, you can be set free from something just like, you know, Krista has done. But the enemy does come in at times when you're weak or you're vulnerable or you're tired. You're like, I thought I had that over. I thought I had that dealt with. And, and there are times of temptation that come back. And to the point of tears where my daughter and I shared this last night, can you just share your story of your husband? I shouldn't have said, I shouldn't have said that because that was so sweet. He's my stud hub. You're a stud hub. I love stud hubs. Let's make a shirt. But I I love how he met. It's such a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit. Can you share that? Because again, not the condemnation or the, Mm -hmm. or the rejection, but that I'm here with you. We will work through this church. We will work with whatever your junk is. Hey baby, we will work with you. We will work with you. Because I want you to work with me. Yeah. I want you to work with me. Amen. Can you just share that? It was so yeah, beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Christina. Well, when I first, I, I, I coped with the pain in my love bucket through a lot of substances. First through performance and then through food, Christian drug. Come on, ladies. Let's put away the alcohol and the drugs. But let's just drown our sorrows in a bucket of ice cream and a potluck dinner. So she preaching now. Amen. Woo. So I would medicate mainly, I had, you know, I had done all the substance abuse and the sexual stuff, but then um, I got saved, so you got to put it all away. So then it all, you know, compounded back on performance and food. So when I got married, I was mostly, I mean, I'd been in rehab and I was working on it, but every time I'd start to freak out, you know, you got that one thing that you kind of go to and you're like twitching and like, I can't stop. And this hook kind of pulls you in, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Like, I can't resist the devil. I mean, I don't even know how to, because I want that ice cream so badly right now. So I'm, I'm watching TV with him and, and, uh, there was a few commercials and I had stopped touring with Michael W. Smith and we were on the ramen noodle budget. You know what budget I'm talking about? Yes. Where you don't know if you can keep your electricity on the next week. And um, so I snuck, I said, babe, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. And I snuck around the long way to the kitchen. And I am Hoover vacuuming, you know, everything that I possibly can into my, into my mouth as fast as possible. And I freeze because I, ha- I hear someone pop up on the counter behind me. And I know that I'm being seen in the area of my deepest shame. See, that is the thing that we are most petrified of. What do you do when you mess up? Do you run to God, skipping over to him? I'm back. Can you love me into wholeness? No. What do we do? We put up walls. We run the other way. We do it again. Or we go into hyper-religious activity. Oh, I've got to fast. I've got to fast this out of my life. I I have to pray more. I have to, oh, God, oh, God, I've got to work for you. I have to work for your affection. Instead of going, the solution for every problem I've ever faced is intimacy with you and and the love that you have for me in these places. We don't run to him. We run from him. All of a sudden, I'm being seen in the area of my deepest shame. I turn around. He's got a stupid grin on his face. 
And he pops open a bag of chips, and he looks at me, and he goes, baby, if you need to binge, I'm going to binge with you because I don't want you to do it alone anymore. And he crawled down in the place of my deepest shame, which is what this Jesus does every day of your life. See, here's the deal. You think, oh, sin separates me from God. Well, how can it separate you from him if nothing can separate you from his love? Amen. Amen. Let me tell you something. It does separate you because you turn away from the reality that he's never left you or forsaken you. Mm -hmm. It's not the truth. You believe it. You go, oh, gosh, this is separating me from him. But, hello, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He can't leave. He's not going anywhere. So we turn, we go, okay, yes, I, yes, I did something. I'm coming back into your presence. I'm confessing this to break the shame cycle and get, and to get back into the truth that you have never left me in this moment. You've never forsaken me. And as Lucas crawled down in that moment with me, and I realized the Holy Spirit started talking to me about the fact that he wants into my junk right as I'm doing it, right after I've done it, right after I've struggled sexually, right after I've struggled with food, right after I've struggled this. Because we cloak ourselves with shame and we try to hide. Shame blocks you from the intimacy that you need in order to actually get healed. That's right. Amen. Amen. Shame is the number one tactic that the enemy used in the garden. Mm -hmm. He knew if he could get them to what? What did they do? They got fig leaves and they Mm -hmm. covered themselves where? Did they go, oh gosh, here comes God. Quick, Adam, cover your shoulders. (laughs) What'd they do? Where did they cover themselves? Come on, interactive. The where? The loins. Why? Why? Because the loins are the place where intimacy and oneness happens that produces life. If you want to stop the cycles of addiction or depression or all of these things that we deal with in our lives, the second you do it, you throw off that shame as fast as you can. You run back into intimacy because it is the solution. Because life will be produced in your life. What happens when we cover ourselves and we go, God, we're not good enough. We're going to judge ourselves. Mm -hmm. He says, no, 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 you're not supposed to do that. I've already judged Jesus. I've already, and then I put you in the safest place that you could ever be. I put you in him. Mm -hmm. Do you think he ever, okay, just picture this for a second. All right, let's go for a Jesus suit. Unzip Jesus on the side and stuff yourself in and zip him back up. Who do you see? Jesus. Jesus. Do you see your pornography addiction? Do you see your fear? Do you see your alcoholism? Do you see your struggle? Do you see your insecurity and anxiety? What do you see? You see Jesus. When the father looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees the son. He said, I have done away with your body of sin. I have done away with it. I crucified it. Leave that bad boy in the ground. I said this yesterday. We got to stop resurrecting our old man and trying to disciple him. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You can't teach him anything. He's dead. Gross. Leave him down there. We've got to start dealing with our new man. Our new man is always connected to the source. You know, my husband, my husband, he dealt with pornography for years. This is normal in this country, this society where you can just, it's one click away. And it's so shameful for people. And here's the thing. We became a safe place for one another. We said, you know what? You cannot have intimacy where there's secrets. 
Why? Because we go, oh, if I tell you my secrets, then you won't love me. But that's not true unconditional love. Yeah. That's not true intimacy. So we go, okay, we got to be a safe place for secrets. So he was able in his walking it out to come to me and be like, babe, I looked at something. And instead of meeting the ogre and getting offended that he looked at something other than me, and why would you do that to me? I went, okay, all right, I'm going to be a safe place for him. I'm going to be unconditional love for him. I'm going to walk you out of this. And then I'd come to him and be like, I screwed up again. I'm struggling again. I'm struggling again with sexual stuff. I'm struggling again with food. He'd go, okay, baby, I'm with you in this. Let's pray. You just confessed it to me. Let's keep on praying because I want you to be healed and whole. That is the healing of the broken heart that's available for every single person in this room, no matter how many years you've been struggling. Okay, I'll put my mic down. No, no, please don't. Well, you know what? I mean, we could just listen to her all day because I think she's ministering through the Holy Spirit to our soul. But I'm going to finish with this last story because it was so sweet last night for me. Um, As you know, many of you know, I mean, I'm I'm a visionary and God gives, and that's one of my gifts. I know that. And I get a vision and I'm passionate and I love getting you involved. And my greatest joy is watching you connect with the Spirit of God. And yesterday there were so many women running around and their unique ability and their talent and their skill. And and it was a day that I just, everybody was doing their, I was so excited. I was so happy. It was a beautiful day. And um, Crystal led us in worship at the end. It was amazing. I'm sitting there and I was just, it was an awesome day. And then I thought, oh, we need, we need a, I got, you know, our little prayer team up. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to do that. And so I was, people want healing and they want to be prayed over and another thing and on my checklist. And I ran across the room and I sat there and, and Krista said this and I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. And it will be, it will be my buzzword with God. And she said, one day I was on the plane and God just said, I want, I want to play patty cake. And she says, she did, she did the patty cake, you know. And the Holy Spirit said, I want to play patty cake with you. And she says, but God, what has that got to do with my ministry? And he said, it has nothing to do with your ministry. It has to do with you and me. And she told that story, and the Spirit of God fell on me. And I, he said, girl, I want to play patty cake. And he said that to me, that he wanted to play patty cake with me. And as much as I love you and I want to be a minister to you and I want this church to grow and I have visions you don't even want to know about because we're all going to be so busy, he wants to play patty cake with you. He wants to just intimately know you. And patty cake may be quiet time. It may be your Bible. It may be a drive in the mountains, a sitting on the beach. But could you just meet your maker and have some one-on-one time with him? And Krista, we have a few minutes left. Can you just, anything on that before we close and Phil comes to share a little bit with us? Let me say, uh, I used to get, I'm a high achiever, high D. A lot of, I can get a lot of things done in my own ability. Mm -hmm. And I started, I did a, I do a a teaching at Bethel at their worship school called Working From Rest. And I'm telling you, when intimacy and when rest, true rest, Mm -hmm. is the foundation of your life, you will get things done faster in a supernatural way. Why? Because it's not, yeah, we can get a lot done because we're, we're, we're skilled. We know how. Supernatural things will begin to happen when your number one priority is the great commandment over the great commission. When your number one priority is to learn to be loved, 1 John 4, 19, he loved us because we, we love him because he what? First loved us. Most of us have been trying to love God, hating ourselves. 
So if you don't know how to love God, if you're trying to discipline yourself to love God and love others, then just take two steps back and pat, play patty cake and learn to be first loved. Yeah. If you're trying to be nice and be kind to people, and no, take two steps back and learn to be first loved. Why? Because you only give away what it is that you have received. The more that you can receive his unconditional, supernatural affection from you in that place of rest, the more the overflow of your life becomes worship. You, you're not disciplining yourself to worship. You're so filled with adoration for the guy that loved everything out of you that you are overflowing to every person you meet and everything becomes supernatural ministry and things happen exponentially. Absolutely. Well, you know, amen. Can we just uh, thank Krista? I know you have been touched the way I have. And I want to pray... Um, as Phil comes, will you just, I mean, boy, this is an honor. This is, this is a true honor because I'm, um, I just, I love you, and I know how. I love you, too. I know. That was one of my bucket list is to be taller, but you're, you're, go. I'm shrinking. I want to pray a prayer. Would you just close your eyes with me over the birth of this beautiful new little baby that's coming? And God, we just come to you as your children, and we are unified, Father, as your children. We want to pray a covering right now over Krista. Father, we pray for this precious little girl that is about to enter into the world, and we pray for her destiny and what you have designed for her. God, we pray for little Moses, Father, and that he'll be a great big brother. God, I pray for supernatural power over Krista and Lucas, Father, as they travel the world and minister in just an authentic message of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that you love ugly and that you love all of our ugly stuff and you died for it. And right now, Father, we release our ugly to you, and you take it. We pray blessings over the service. We thank you for being here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You, you know, sometimes you don't know how things are going to really unfold in your life and uh, what God's going to do. And I think um, we can say that pretty easily in our life. We can say, yeah, I, I didn't really expect that. I didn't know that was going to happen. But, but I, I think one of the things that, that we want to talk about to you, and, and I think it's a great point, uh, a starting point for, for what I'm going to say is the foundation that just got laid um, with that interview, with what's happened this weekend. Um, last year, we found ourselves uh, in a real dilemma, and I just want to tell you about it. You know, and to be in a real dilemma and only be a few months old, I mean, it's, gee, can't you wait a few years to be in a real dilemma? But we found ourselves in this dilemma. The dilemma was that we had, uh, we, and I mean our board and our finance team, we had committed ourselves to buy this building. We had committed ourselves to the tune of a, of a $3 million offer, a million dollar probably worth of renovation, and we put $100,000 in escrow. And we did it on good faith. We did it on the faith that someone, uh, a private lender, was going to lend us the money to buy this building. And literally six weeks before uh, we were to close on this building, after we were committed, we had committed money you gave. That lender uh, pulled back on that offer. And we didn't know where to turn, what to do. We really didn't. And there was a side of me that was like, you know, are you kidding me? 
And the only thing I could, only response I really had was to laugh. I just laughed. I said, God, this is hilarious. I called up our finance team. I called up my wife. I said, I just told them what happened. Oh, we don't have any money. We don't have a loan. And I started laughing. I said, this is the funniest thing that's ever happened. And everybody thought I had really gone off the deep end this time. But I realized that God had done that for a reason. He, he positioned us so that we could trust him more. Because that other way was too easy. It was so easy, you almost think, can it be that easy to get that kind of a, of a loan? And so what we did was we, we called you to fast for 21 days. And we said we really need three things to happen in this church. And we were desperate. And I might have looked very calm and collected and very faith-filled, but I was also very desperate because I knew what was at stake. I knew there was something special from the beginning about this building and about what God was doing in this church. And I didn't know how to put my finger on what God was up to, but I knew he was doing something different. And we literally, a few of us literally talked to every private money lender in California, it seemed like. I, I mean, close to 100 probably contacts. And every one of them said exactly the same thing. Your financials are wonderful. It's really impressive what you've done, but you've only been in business 14 months or whatever. And we called you to fast, and we said we need three things. We need a loan, we need the money for renovation, and we need all the permits on this building. And eight days, eight business days before we were supposed to close on this building, we had no loan. Now, if you don't think your prayers go up in value, they do. And on that, on that eight days before we were to close on that loan, I got a loan application. Now, if you've ever applied for a loan, you know what that means. You have eight days to close. It means nothing. It means you're not getting a loan. But we filled it out. We sent it in. And by the grace of God, we closed two days early on this building. And they gave us the money we asked for. They gave us a little bit more than we asked for. And we got all the permits on the 29th of July. And it was all, I, I really believe it was because God wanted to push this congregation to understand faith. I believe it was also because God wanted to take you individually and, and help you to understand what it meant to really walk with God. Now, I've got some really cool notes uh, that you have, and, and you're going to look at them, but I'm just going to drop that for today, and I'm just going to talk to you because I think it's more important, and I think it, those notes will wait. All right, so let me just talk to you a little bit, and then we're going, to, we're going to have a little time of real commitment. But let me tell you what happened in that 21-day fast and what I believe will happen if, you, if the Lord leads you into that. I chose to just eat one meal a day. That was my fast. Everything else was too complicated. People get complicated fasts. I can't follow that. I want to basically know I can eat everything I want one time a day. That's all I want to know. People get elaborate what kind of bread you can eat and what kind of drink, and I just can't even remember that. When I'm hungry, I just want to eat what I like. But if you think it's easy, try it. 
Just try not eating. And eat one meal a day, and then after you get full, and then an hour later you get hungry, you go, no, I can't do that again. I've already, I've already spent that ticket. But here's what happens. When you find yourself on that first or second day of the fast, which is always the most challenging, and you're just walking through some place like Target, and you look over and you see a display for payday candy bars. And you will see them. You will have vision explosions in your mind. And all of a sudden you'll go, I want a payday candy bar. And there's a little voice that says, I thought this was about us. And when I put aside that, it draws me into God and an awareness of God and a presence of God because then I begin to pray, God, I want to know you better. God, I want to enter into this relationship with you in a deeper and a brighter way. And so it's really not about punishing yourself. It has nothing to do with that. It's about intimacy and moving in relationship with God where you come to an awareness of who he really is and who he really wants to be. And sometimes when you set aside times to fast like that, it just absolutely takes you to a completely new level. And when I entered into that 21-day fast, for me, it was so valuable because the next thing that took place was when I got done with the 21 days, I just... I was loving that intimacy so much, I just extended it to 40 days. And I can't prescribe to you what you should do or if you should do that. All I'm saying is consider that, that if you need something to, to kind of prompt you into that reminding yourself of God's, God's presence all through the day, fasting could very well be that. And as we come to this time, the reason we call this fast and the reason it'll be an annual fast for it is because this time we have some real, really powerful things that we really want to see God do. That loan that we got, which was a blessing, is, is really a high interest loan with short terms and we really want to see God give us a lower interest so we can be better stewards and so we've got some things out there right now, but I really believe in order for us to have the right loan and the right time and, the, and all the things that God wants, that he's calling us again to faith. And I'm going to ask you to join me and join us in that journey. Because I really believe that something significant really happens when we pray and, and when we seek him and we come into intimacy as a body in unity over something. The second thing is, you know, just what, two weeks ago, we saw over 100 people come to faith in Christ here in this building. And many of them are your friends, and many of them are friends that, that you're connected with, and somehow, and we want to see, we want to see on Easter, we want to see 100 people come through the waters of baptism proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. And last Easter, we saw about 55 and I, and I just said, you know, God, I just, there's something that happens when people see the, the gospel of the, the death, burial, and resurrection carried out in these waters, and they see this, this visual image of what it means to, to walk in this of life. And then there's some staffing that we really want to do sometime this year and, and some key positions, and, and, and I don't have complete clarity on what those are yet, but I just, I just want us to come together in that, and God will bring clarity to the top. 
Let me ask you this. Is there, is there ever a time when you, you really want to have an increase in spiritual awareness? Is there any time when you say, I need some victory in my life over something? Is there any time where you, you just feel like you want to, to take the awareness of God in your life to a whole new level? Then maybe this is a great time for you to enter into fasting. And then beginning next week, this series on prayer and fasting, we're going to unfold to you. What does the Bible say about it? And, and how can that really change my life? I don't know about you, but so much of my Christian life, I always felt like, you know, I was this high and I was looking up to this, this giant picture of me of what God wanted me to be. And I was, I was satisfied with something down here. And God had something different for me. If you ever feel like that, then maybe we're all together in that and we can agree and say, okay, then let's, let's, let's start practicing what, how Christ sees us in our position in the heavenlies. And until you know your position in Christ, you can't play that position in life. If you are more than a conqueror, then, then you, the reason you can be more is because you never really did the battling. Jesus faced demonic forces on the cross, died, was buried, and then proclaimed victory that the church might have as their main message, the proclamation of life over death. We spend so much time looking up, wishing what, when we should start looking down because we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above all principalities and power and above every name that has ever been named in this life or in the life to come. Now think about that. Keep looking down, not looking up. See things from God's perspective and live out your life as a believer in Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit of God who sets you free from all entanglements of sin and all burdens and barriers that might come up against you in this life. Enjoy what it means to walk in the fullness of Almighty God. I love that scripture where it says we're like a royal diadem in the hand of our God and he turns us as he will. Imagine if someone placed in your hand a gemstone with many facets and you held it in your hand and your, your first inclination is just to, is to turn it so that you see the reflection of the glory and, and, and God wants to, it, it's like we, God has us in his hand and he takes us and he moves us in every direction so he sees every shade and every reflection of glory that he has woven into you in Christ Jesus. And when things don't shine quite right, there's a refining process and a chiseling and a binding and a, gruff, uh, and a, and a, and a, and a grinding and a, a buffeting that goes on to make you reflect every dimension of the glory of Almighty God. We just have to strip away everything that doesn't look like Him and let Him come forth. Let Him come forth. We're going to, uh, I want you just to stand with me right now. We're going to... We're going to sing a song together, and um, <clears throat> it's a song Chris is going to lead us. It's called One Thing Remains, and here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do the somewhat difficult in a way. I'm going to ask you to, 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 to make a decision just to move out from where you are 
and circle this, this front of this stage over here and pray. And we're going to just, as just a, a movement of saying, I, I want to be a part of this drawing close to God. And may, God may be leading me into fasting. I'm not sure, but, but I'm going to make myself available to that right now. And, and if this whole area is filled up and the sides are filled, that's fine. And there's no seat occupied, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. But just bow your heads with me right now. Holy Spirit of God, you are drawing me into greater relationship and intimacy with you. And I I ask you, Father, to take what I've heard and take how the Spirit of God has spoken to me, but but also take how how you describe me as your child. Draw me in and, 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 and show me who I really am in Christ Jesus. And God, in in my movement, let my movement be that first decision to say, I am who you say that I am. And I can do what you say that I can do. And I will be who you have created me to be. A son and daughter of the living God. If that is the cry of your heart, would you just, as, as this song begins, just start to move from where you are. Just start to move from where you are, right? Even now. Just draw me in. Draw me closer, God. And, and just let that, that power of the, and the, of the Spirit of God move powerfully in my heart right now. Just let it move, God. I just call out to you.